name is Julie Pierce. Uh, today's date is March 30th, 2017, and I'm here with Joseph Walsh at the Fort Hamilton Library for the Our Streets, Our Stories project at the Brooklyn Public Library. So Joseph has kindly agreed to share his Brooklyn story with us. So uh, tell me a little bit about when and where you were born, Joseph, and some well, of your early childhood memories. Well, I was born in the Bronx, but we came to Brooklyn when I was three, uh -huh. and we moved into um, 636 Brooklyn Avenue. Um, so it's, it's a Brooklyn story. I grew up on Brooklyn Avenue in Brooklyn. My brother went to Brooklyn Prep. So <laughs> yeah, it's um, it kind of borderline between Crown Heights and East Flatbush, right uh -huh. near, across the street from Wingate High School and across the street from Kings County Hospital, which was the biggest hospital in the world at that time. Uh -huh. And uh, it was just a very fun time to grow up in Brooklyn. Um, the parents let you out of the house. They didn't ask you where you were. Everybody watched each other's kids. I, first grade, my, my parents walked me to school the first day of school, and after that I was just going on my own with my brothers and sisters. And, doing all that stuff that you hear about in Boom is Rock and all that other <laughs> um, uh, social media baby boomers groups, but it, most of all of it is true. Um, we, uh, in the summer we would come home, uh, there was a, uh, a, uh, a large siren, I guess it was the air raid siren, it would go off at 12 o'clock, and I always assumed it was the lunch bell because we went home at 12. And my older sister told me that siren is actually for air raids, for in case people drop bombs on us. And I was just like, yeah, tell me anything. And I was a little <laughs> brother. And, and then I got older, and I said, oh, my God, she was telling me the truth. That's the reason for the siren, not to go home. But it went off exactly at 12, and I thought, well, wouldn't the enemy know? If we bomb exactly at 12, <laughs> that they'll just think they're testing it. They tested it at the exact same time of day. But um, yeah, it was good. I went to Catholic school, and, um, and it was just a very friendly time. And that was about it. Yeah. So when did you move to Bay Ridge? Oh, when I grew uh, when I um, got my job with the Transit Authority, and I had enough money to get a nice apartment, and I did get a very nice apartment. Um, bay windows, and it was a really, really good apartment. The, uh, the people that were renting it weren't looking to make a whole lot of money. They just wanted a nice tenant. They liked me for some reason. So um, uh, I was able to afford a really nice apartment and, uh, and you know, went to transit, which was a pretty good job at the time. How old were you then? Um, I would say I was 22. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah, I would guess um, it would have been 19. Uh, 81, yeah. So how was Bay Ridge different from the neighborhood you grew up? Well, my neighborhood had changed, you know. Um, it went through a lot of cycles. I actually used to tell people I grew up in three different neighborhoods and never moved uh -huh. because my whole neighborhood moved. And uh, so it was, um, I lived in a 16-story building when I was very young. It was 158 Jewish families and two Catholics, and I was one of the two Catholic families, mm -hmm. and we were Irish Catholic, and it was a Polish Catholic family up on the 15th floor, and um, everybody down the block was Italian. They all wanted to own their own homes, they didn't rent, and um, so it was mainly an Italian Jewish neighborhood, and 
the Irish were just kind of sprinkled everywhere, and I was one of them. And um, the neighborhood moved. When I was uh, in seventh and eighth grade, uh, I guess around 71, the song came out by, I think, Sly and the family of Stone saying people moving in and people moving out and all that. And it was the, my, my neighborhood was the epicenter. I remember a moving van or a moving truck being on my block virtually every day of a whole summer. Even people that moved in, even the African-American people would stay for a few months sometimes and leave. It was just constant. I had never seen people moving in or out as a youngster. It was a very stable neighborhood. And suddenly everybody in the whole, my whole building, my whole block moved. And, um, and my parents had already told us very early on, we are not moving. My mother loved our apartment. Mm -hmm. I want to take up the whole interview describing the apartment, but it was a really nice apartment, and my mother told me she would never leave that apartment ever, and so it didn't matter what was going to happen in the neighborhood. We were staying, and uh, so I knew that, and so as the African Americans were moving in, in the beginning, slowly, I was aware of what was going to happen, and I was always very good friends, <laughs> because I knew I was going to be a minority eventually. But it was interesting when it finally had completed and it was an African-American neighborhood. The African-American had came from all over. Some had come from other places in Brooklyn, come had some from Philly, um, a lot from the Carolinas. People were still moving up from the South back then. And they didn't know each other, even though they were all African-American. And I knew everyone. So I was the only person who knew everyone because I met everyone as they moved in. And uh, they didn't last long. It, they actually moved out. It was even though, and, um, and, and new people moved in. A big West Indian movement came in, and, um, and other people from Africa, and a lot of South Americans. And, um, and so then it was, it was the third neighborhood that I lived in. And then, you know, that lasted for a while. And, uh, and it was good for me, you know, generally, if I was home, there wasn't too much on the street because I didn't know everyone. So basically, if I was home, I would do homework and there wasn't no internet and wasting time things. And then on the weekends, I had to date because I had to go somewhere to do something. <laughs> and so, you know, Catholic schools have dances where you get uh -huh. to meet people uh -huh. and they set it up pretty nice. The, um, uh, you can go to any girl's school dance as a boy, but you could only get tickets to your, the school, the Catholic schools were boy and girl schools back then. So I went to an all boy Catholic school and that was the only dance I could get to for a boy's school, it was my own school, but I can go to any girl's school dance. So they didn't want the boys going to other boys' schools dances like that. And the same thing with the girls, they could only go to their own school dance if they wanted to go to another school dance, it had to be a boys' school dance. So you met people that way. That was the whole point of it anyway. And so I met people and got phone numbers and went on dates. And then, um, but very early on, I, I, um, I didn't like college. And I took civil service test. When I graduated high school, I, I knew I didn't want to go to college. And um, I actually, there was, the job situation was so much better. I graduated in 1975. And the situation was really, you know, 
nothing compared to what it is today. Easy. And uh, yeah, you did whatever. If you wanted to go to college, you didn't have to pay for it. You go to any college you wanted to. If you wanted to you get mean, a job, no, pretty much all of them. I mean, if you wanted to be a doctor, you just go and get loans. They gave them to everybody. There were loans. There was grants. There was money everywhere, and like with civil service, you didn't pay to take a civil service test. I think it's $60 today. So I just applied for every civil service test there was, uh, close to graduation, and I took a, uh, a civil service exam every single Saturday that from uh, the summer of 75. And, uh, and by, by 77, I had, you know, um, not very good civil service job. I had a civil service job working for Department of Tax. You know, whatever it was, it, it, you got paid a little bit. I bounced around at a few of them. And then, I, you know, I could have been anything. I, I could have been a cop. I passed that test. Right. It just was too much stress for me. I didn't right. want to do that. There was a variety of jobs I could have gotten. I settled in with transit. And, you know, it was not a challenging situation to do. And even though I think we were getting paid $12 an hour at the time, it, that $12 went much further than sure. the 30 that I think I was making when I retired right. an hour. And um, so, it, you know, it was, um, I didn't shoot for the stars, you know. I was a, a regular guy kind of person, and that's what I did. And I just spent my 30-so years uh, working for transit. I was married twice. I had a, a child in the first marriage and two in the second. Mm -hmm. and, um, and here I am. So where did you raise your kids? Oh, in Brooklyn, um, I, I actually ended up back in the same neighborhood. My first wife was uh, mixed race, but uh, she was dark-skinned, so she, uh, a lot of people just assumed she was African-American. And um, her father owned a home there, and I moved right into the home, a beautiful first-floor apartment. So once again, it wasn't a challenging life. Working for transit is, is, uh, is not difficult. You know, and then I, you know, I lived in my in-laws' house, and uh, we had a car. And we, you know, uh, my first wife had um, two children, so I had to raise two stepchildren, and then you know, my daughter also. I guess I'm wondering if they had as much freedom in the neighborhood as you did when you were a child. My children? Yes. Not even they. They did. You could not even explain it to them. Yeah. It would be like someone could tell you that there's less gravity on the moon and you could imagine it, but you couldn't really know it. They had no clue. They had no clue what it would be like to leave the house at six o'clock. I mean, not at six o'clock, I'm sorry, at six years old, to just be let out the house and play and ring any doorbell you feel like and come home and your parents not ask you at six. I don't do that with my children now when they're grown. You know, it's just, it's a completely different world. How is it different in other ways now, do you think, from then? Um, well, they, they have different freedom. I mean, the technology does give them freedom. Um, people complain about it. Um, I haven't run into personal problems with it. I mean, you have a cell phone, you can give it to the kids at any age. You call them, and if they answer, um, you know, everything's fine, you could talk to them, they, you know, they have access to information where you used to have to buy an encyclopedia and learn how to read right. and, and really read and, and, and study and work and find different books and, and all of that stuff's at, a, at your fingertips now. Um, 
And yeah, so there's, you know, the information also just for life choices is there. You don't need a, necessarily a mentor to sit down and to talk about different things with you. You can go on the internet and find out about every college in the country, learn about all different jobs, learn about different neighborhoods, different countries, and make choices. And the information on the internet isn't always accurate, but very often these mentors that you met in life <laughs> had, you know, skewed visions also. So, um, you talked about how your neighborhood, Crown Heights, changed with, I guess, white flight and the change in composition. But how, I'm wondering how long you've been living in Bay Ridge and how that has changed. Well, I've been here Over off and on. Yeah. I came here as soon as I moved out, so yeah. I was single. Yeah. And I lived here for um, quite a while. And then um, with transit, uh, the, the particular jobs I wanted, it was easier for me to work in the Bronx. And so I actually moved to the Bronx for a little while. Um, and, and then when I met my first wife, her father owned a home back in Crown Heights, further into what actually was Crown Heights, where I grew up was about 11 blocks away. And that would have been the borderline of Flatbush and Crown Heights. But that, that, she had a house right, her parents had a house right in Crown Heights by Ebbets Field. Uh -huh. And, um, Ooh, so yeah, well, Ebbets Field wasn't there anymore. It was, oh, okay. it, it was the projects now, I whatever, see, departments. But, um, oh, but it, it would have, it, I, I don't remember Ebbets Field. It yeah. would have been there maybe when I was four, yeah. and then they tore it down. Yeah. But, um, yeah, just old Brooklyn stories, just mm -hmm. to bring it up. We didn't, you know, we, Things were so much less expensive when I was a child. There was so much less stress. They used to um, give away free tickets to the Mets because the Mets weren't popular until they won the World Series. And so um, they had trouble filling the stadium. So if you had 10 coupons from a boarding milk container, yeah. you got one free ticket. And we lived in that large building, like yeah. I said. And um, so my uh, mom knew pretty much all the people in the building. She had asked them to throw their milk containers in these uh, rooms that were called the porter's rooms. And uh, we would get up early in the morning and take all the containers out so that it wasn't hard for us to get 60 or 70 of these coupons. And my dad could take all the children to free Met games. And they were, um, they were very nice, you know, and it was fun. And it was interesting back then, there was a lot of Dodger fans left in New York, even though the Dodgers had moved to LA. Right. And so there weren't a lot of fans at the uh, Met games unless they were playing the Dodgers. And then the Dodgers, when they played the Mets, it was like a home game because the, all the, all the, the whole crowd rooted for the Dodgers and the uh -huh. Mets didn't seem to care. Uh -huh. And it was, it, was an interesting, um, it was an interesting crowd. They weren't really, it was just a fun, you know, fun time. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah. No, no, it was just passing. I mean, not really into it. I played. Everybody played back then. It was uh -huh. something you did. Uh -huh. There was no internet, obviously. Yeah. We made up games. I played stickball. I, did, I didn't really get involved with the organized yeah. ball. Yeah. We played, you know, regular, just pickup games. Right. So, what, one other thing I wanted to ask you, since we are here in Bay Ridge, I mean, what are your impressions of Bay Ridge? Bay Ridge is great. Bay Ridge is like. I always I consider it the best neighborhood in Brooklyn. I keep coming here when I'm free. I came here um, when I got out from my parents, 
and I came here after my first divorce, mm -hmm. and I came back here after my second divorce. So I'm always here when I'm free. Um, I, I let my second wife talk me into leaving. Um, wasn't a good idea. Um, we went to Brighton Beach, it, which is nice. It was very nice. I wasn't a, 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 um, I wasn't a beach person, but I found that if you live by a beach, it's a lot easier. I didn't like the beach because I burn easily uh -huh. and traveling home in the sand and the salt. But when you live next to the beach, you can go to the beach at 6.30 in the morning, take a swim, not worried about getting burnt, uh -huh. walk right home, jump in the shower, and go to work and actually feel like you had a day to yourself because you were at the beach. So mm -hmm. um, I did like it there. Uh, it wasn't really, you know, but... Um, but I can, you know, we, we did get divorced and, and I came back to Bay Ridge again and I love it. The food is great, the people are great, the stores are great. It's, it's not expensive compared to other neighborhoods at all. Uh -huh. um, and it has more stuff than the other neighborhoods. You know, you have stores that have been here f over the generations, a lot of, you know, fabric stores, things you don't find in uh -huh. other neighborhoods where you find grandchildren you know, are in the store who their grandmother opened it up in either the 20s or the 30s or the 40s and it's still there. And, um, you know, obviously the food here is phenomenal. If you open up a pizzeria and your food isn't great, <laughs> nobody's gonna go. I mean, it, it, that's all, you know, it, if you open up a restaurant in Bay Ridge, your food has to be great because there's already so many good places to eat. How has it changed, you know, over the years? Here. Not a whole lot. Less than less than almost any neighborhood I could think of in uh -huh. Brooklyn. Interesting. Yeah. Were you here when they built the Verrazano Bridge? That I would have been very no. I would have been a child. I would have been in Ground Heights. I forget exactly what year that yeah. was, but I would have been yeah. very young. Uh -huh. I, I actually forget exactly when they made it, um, but it didn't affect me. No, I, I didn't come here till '79. Okay. But it was definitely built before that. Right. Right. Yeah. Because I gather that people love it now, but it was controversial. Yeah, the only controversy I know of it yeah. is um, and that people still complain about it today is that they didn't build a walkway on it, which was upsetting to the people because you're forced to pay a toll to get off the island or to get on the island, you know. Uh, um, so, you know, a lot of people felt it should have had a walkway. Um, yeah, but that's, that's about, you know. So is there anything else you'd like to tell me? Um, no, I'm not sure. I just, I like this, uh, this program here. It's, just, it's been great. And, um, yeah, I, I like Bay Ridge. I think I'll stay. Okay. I've left enough times. <laughs> <laughs> great. Well, thank you so much, Joseph, for sharing your story. You're welcome. With us.